0: Hey everyone, Samantha Farley here with Type 1 Tribe. I'm so happy you're here listening. I wanted to give a recap of the marathon that I ran a little over a week ago with the Beyond Type 1 team. And I thought it was interesting because... You know, with our blood sugars, it makes it a little bit challenging to run with diabetes. And I wanted to give you just a recap of the entire weekend and how amazing it was to run with the team and be a part of the Beyond Type 1 organization and really just experienced something I've never experienced before ever. And so I'm going to give a recap of the weekend and I hope it's interesting to you. And obviously give you a recap of how my blood sugars were, other tips that I recommend if you want to run a marathon and you haven't yet with type 1 diabetes. So stay tuned. So to give you a recap of how I even got to join the marathon. So it was oh man, probably about six months ago, Beyond Type 1, the organization put out information saying, hey, we're going to create a team to run the New York City Marathon in November. And (laughs) I really, really wanted to apply, apply to run the marathon. So I in my past, I have never ran a marathon. I've ran quite a few half marathons, but marathons were never in my goal. Like I never wanted to run a marathon. And I just, I never wanted to run one because it was just like too much, right? Like half marathons are perfect, 13 miles, who needs to do more? But ever since I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, I kind of got the itch to do a marathon because I wanted to show one myself that Even though I have a chronic illness, I'm still capable of running 26.2 miles. And not only myself, but I wanted to show everyone else in the world that, hey, I'm not damaged. I can absolutely still run. Uh, Yes, 13.1 miles, but guess what? I'm also able to run 26.2 and I'm going to show all of you that I can do that. And so when the application came around to join the Beyond Type 1 marathon, I decided to apply. And to be completely honest, I did not think that I would get in. I assumed, you know, many, many people were going to apply, and they only had 50 spots. And so I figured, you know, chances are I'm not going to get in, but why not apply? So I applied, I did my little application video, and I sent it in. About... Two months later, I got an email from the Beyond Type 1 organization saying I was accepted to run the New York City Marathon with the team. I was shocked. So I was actually in Vancouver with my boyfriend at the time, and we... We're laying in bed. It was the morning of um, the day we were about to leave Vancouver and I get up and we're just laying in bed and I checked my email and I literally got out of bed and I, well, I got, I guess, out of the covers and I started jumping on top of the bed and he looked at me like, what is happening to you? <laughs> Why are you so excited? And I said, oh my gosh, I got in, I got in. And he's like, what do you mean? What did you get in? And I'm like, uh, the marathon, I'm going to be running the New York City Marathon. And it was such a crazy feeling for me. I don't even know how to explain it. I was like nervous because I've never ran a marathon before, but also extremely excited because now I have a reason to run. I have a purpose behind it. And it just means a lot to have that and to show myself and the world and other type 1 diabetics that it is possible. You can run 26.2 miles. And I was just so, so, so happy. So now I just want to talk a little bit about the training process for a marathon. So I unfortunately had some other issues going on during my training. So it was end of May when I found out that I was going to be able to join the New York City Marathon with the Beyond Type 1 team, which once again was so exciting for me. But of course, at the same time, I started getting these weird symptoms. And if you follow me on YouTube, you'll probably already know all about the things I was going through, but basically I was getting these weird symptoms in my face. My tongue was tingly, my face was swollen. I started getting body rashes that would come out in the heat, but these rashes were so intense and itchy and very weird. It was all over my body, mostly my legs, but it kind of just would come up wherever And then the thing that really was terrible for me was my leg pain and that would hurt so bad. It was such a weird pain to describe. So it wasn't like a Charlie horse, but it was a pain that like, it was, you could tell it was nerve related. And every time I would move a limb, so if I would move an arm or if I'd move a leg, it would sting and burn really, really bad for 15 seconds and then it would go away, which may not seem that bad, but. You're, you know, you're constantly moving your limbs if you're being any active at all. And so it would be constant pain and it would hurt so bad, like unbearable pain. And I went through that all of June and all of July. What we came to the conclusion with, and I'm not going to bore you with the entire story because I could talk about this all day long. Basically, the conclusion was I have a wheat and barley sensitivity. So funny enough, it's actually not gluten related, but gluten is found in wheat and barley. So I pretty much now just follow a gluten-free diet, um, and it's been helping tremendously. I feel a thousand times better. I don't have any rashes anymore. I don't have any limb pain, any arm or leg pain, and my swollen, tingliness went away. So unfortunately, I can't eat wheat, barley gluten any of those foods anymore which if you know anything about me I was a beer drinker so that's very unfortunate for me <laughs> but it's okay I don't need to be drinking beer anymore i uh you know if I do drink it's wine now occasionally a seltzer or something but basically training for the marathon was extremely challenging for me in the first two months because of all that crap I was going through And it was just, it was terrible, terrible timing. Thankfully, though, in August, I started to feel way better. And so that's when really the marathon training picked up. And if you've ever been interested in running a half marathon or a marathon, I recommend following a training plan, whether that's one you find online, if you hire a coach, or have a cool fiance like I do who created a marathon training plan for me because he does Ironmans. So he runs marathons a lot. So he actually created the training plan for me, which was extremely, extremely helpful. And I tried to stick to that training plan as well as I possibly could so that I would be prepared to run a marathon. So during training, My blood sugars, for the most part, were actually fine. And the reason they were fine is because I am an early riser. I run in the morning, before work, 5 (laughs) a.m. I run very early. And that's, that's the time I want to run. One, because that's just when I am most awake and ready, if that makes sense, as just a human being. But then two, of course, throwing in the complications of diabetes and running with blood sugars and insulin on board and all of that. When I run in the morning, I don't have any insulin on board, not since the night before with dinner. So it usually makes it a lot easier to run without having to worry about my blood sugars dropping You know, every five minutes or so. And so the only times my blood sugars would drop during training days is when I would do a really long run. Because, obviously, you know, running long distances, naturally, your blood sugars are probably going to drop because your blood sugars love exercise. And it's funny because not every diabetic is like this, but for some reason, my blood sugars would love to drop around mile seven. And that's how it was through training and just every other run I would do if I got to mile seven, most likely my blood sugars were going to drop. So it's also important to take sugar with you and what type of sugar, that's different for everyone as well. It's important to test that out during your training runs to make sure, you know, I know this will kick in in 15 minutes, you know, maybe you're eating something else that will kick in in 30, so you're planning ahead. Knowing all of that information is crucial, not only for your blood sugars, but then also for just your stomach, right? (laughs) Like making sure you can eat certain things and it's not going to upset your stomach, Not to mention, now I am gluten-free, wheat-free, so I have to make sure all of the energy snacks I'm eating and blood sugar snacks I'm eating during the training is gluten-free because I'm not trying to go back to that pain that I was having back in June and July, especially right before the actual marathon. So when you're training for a marathon, you just want to make sure – you know, okay, when does my body tend to slow down? When does my blood sugar start to drop? And it might be different for you, for everyone, or you could be like me where you're like, all right, I know for a fact at mile seven, my blood sugar is gonna start to drop. So maybe I'll eat sugar at mile six, right? So that's important to know. Um, Some other of my teammates on the Beyond Type 1 organization team, we're all different, but some of them would eat every mile, right? They wanted to make sure their blood sugar was high enough so they would eat every single mile. While some of the other people would not eat that often because their blood sugars weren't dropping. And once again, it's important to mention whatever way that you give yourself insulin. So whether it's MDI, if you're on a pump, whatever it is, that's also important to take into account because we're all different in that sense as well. I'm on MDI. So if I take insulin you know, it's in my system for five hours. I can't stop it from going into my system. And so that's important to know. And that's another reason why I love to run in the morning because it's a little bit more difficult for me being on MDI. If insulin's on board, it's not going anywhere. And so if I can just run in the morning, and get that over with before I start taking insulin for my food for the day, it just, it, it makes my runs a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable. Now, if you're on a pump and... I don't have a pump, so take this with a grain of salt. But this is from what I learned from my teammates. It's a little bit easier. You can actually take insulin throughout the day because you can suspend your pump or you can put it into activity mode. Once again, I've never done this before because I've never been on a pump, but it was cool to learn from them and hear about how you could do certain things to ensure that your blood sugars would not drop during your run. Fast forward to race day weekend. So as you know, it's in New York City. I live in Denver, so I flew out to New York City on Friday, right before the race. The race was on Sunday, so it was important to get there a few days earlier, to get used to the weather in New York City, to just get acclimated, you know, comfortable, not feeling like you're in a rush. (laughs) And so I got there Friday midday. That day, my fiance, he came with me, we went to the expo. So we actually, we landed, we went straight to our hotel to check in, we both immediately switched into workout running clothes, and we ran to the expo. So if you're a runner, if you know anything about running before a race, there's a thing called the shakeout run. Not everybody does it, but it's kind of just a little way to do a last run before the race, an easy, easy run to shake out your legs. So Ian and I, Ian is my fiance. (laughs) Ian and I did that on Friday and we ran to the expo because the expo was two miles away. So it worked out perfectly. I was like, this is a great moment for us to do our shakeout run. So we ran from our hotel, which was an East Midtown area. So near Times Square, but on the East side of Manhattan. And we ran to the expo, which was at the Javits Center, which is on the West side of Midtown Manhattan. So it was about two miles across the island and it was fun because we just landed in new york we're excited to be there and who's not excited to run in new york city right it's just fun so we ran to the expo we got to the expo if anyone is a bachelor fan bachelor bachelorette fan (laughs) i saw matt james and rachel there because matt james ran the marathon and i saw him at the expo and It was kind of funny he's a lot taller than i thought i mean you know if you've seen the bachelor he's super tall but actually seeing him in person it's like whoa you actually are tall and he was there with rachel which was cool just to see them um i did not say hi because that's weird they're just normal humans but (laughs) i just went straight into the expo after seeing them and i went and got my bib that was the first thing that we did and then we went and got my t-shirt and then just the bag of goodies that they give you from there we actually had to wait in this really 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 long line to get into the legit like the actual expo of all the vendors it went a lot faster than i assumed it was going to go so that was good but (laughs) we had to wait in line to get into the actual expo with the vendors and the clothing you know and all the swag all of that immediately when we walked into the expo i saw this jacket that i just fell in love with instantly it's like a running jacket kind of right it kind of reminds me of a rain jacket like it has you know that material but it's specific for running and new balance is a sponsor so it was new balance but the color oh my gosh you guys I'm going to have to post a picture of it so you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, me and every other marathon runner bought this jacket, (laughs) but it was beautiful. It's like the cream pinkish color up top, black on bottom. And of course, it says New York City Marathon on it. So I bought that jacket, and of course, it cost me an arm and a leg, but that's okay because that is why I was there, right? I want to run the marathon. I want this to be an experience, and I want to always remember it. So I spent the $150 on that jacket, but guess what? I'm going to have that jacket forever now, and it's just it's always a good memory for that. So after we went through the swag aisles, uh, I purchased my jacket, and then we went into more of the... Traditional vendors, I would say, you know, of like the goos and the water and the, more of the running related items. We walked to there for a little bit, and then we were leaving the expo. So we didn't stay there too long. I mean, there were thousands and thousands of people in there, so it was a little overwhelming. But we ended up walking back to our hotel. So another two miles back across Manhattan, and. Uh, We stopped and got some chicken sandwiches on the way for lunch because we were starving, but then we went back to the hotel and just rested for a little bit. I didn't want to be walking around New York City very much that weekend, obviously, because on Sunday I had around 26.2 miles, but it's kind of hard in Manhattan not to walk far. The subways only go north to south and south to north. There are no subways that go east to west. So, if you're just trying to get to the other side of the island in terms of east to west, you have to walk. There's no good option really for you. So, we had to walk two miles back to the hotel. Friday night, Ian and I actually went down south Midtown or South Manhattan and met up with his friend from home and his other friend that does Iron Man's with him. And it was really cool. We went and got some tacos. We went to this really nice Mexican restaurant. And by the way, I love Mexican food. So Mexican is always a great option for me. I know what it's going to do to my stomach. You know, it never seems to upset it, which I guess is kind of rare for Mexican. But I make sure, obviously, not to eat any beans or anything, just tacos. But it was really cool to see them. And then we headed back to our hotel afterwards just for an early night. Obviously, I was not going to go out and party or anything. I needed to hydrate, so we went back and just really relaxed Friday night. Saturday morning is when a lot more fun things started to happen. So Saturday was our Beyond Type 1 brunch. So it was from 9.30 to 11.30, and it was down in Chelsea, which is near... I mean, it's in it's in Manhattan, but a little bit more southwest of where I was staying. And so I actually took a Uber down because, once again, I didn't want to walk three miles down to the brunch. So I took an Uber, and once I arrived there, it was so exciting because it was the first time that I actually got to meet any of my teammates. Prior to this, we all had, you know, Zoom videos and we were connecting on Facebook and WhatsApp and all of this, but we never actually got to meet in person until this moment. So it was really, really cool to see everyone and meet everyone. And unfortunately, we just didn't have enough time for me to actually have a conversation with the other 49 people that were there, which is so sad because I really wanted to talk to all of them, but it, Once again, like we only had so much time and everyone's nervous about the marathon and we just didn't have time to connect. And I can't wait to connect after this, honestly, with all these people and just stay close with them because they're my teammates and they're my best friends now. And I know that may sound silly, but there's nothing that connects two people more than one having (laughs) the same disease of type 1 diabetes, but then also to the love for running and running the New York City Marathon together. The marathon runners weren't the only ones there. We also had our sponsors there. We had, well, we were <laughs> at an ASIC store. So our brunch was held at an Asics store in Chelsea. And ASICs were a sponsor for the marathon. So ASICs are shoes if you don't know. We also had Dexcom there. Dexcom is a sponsor. If you aren't wearing a Dexcom, you should be. It's a lifesaver, especially when you're running a marathon and having that access to your blood sugars constantly is amazing. Egg Life is a sponsor for us. Egg Life was there. They provided some egg wraps for us for our brunch and it's just a great no carb option for type 1 diabetics. That's also delicious. And then we also had Tandem there. So Tandem, is, you know, the insulin pump, and they were there supporting us in that sense as well. So it was really cool to have all of the runners, the Beyond Type 1 team there, and then also the sponsors all celebrating each other for the marathon. At the end of the brunch, we all took a group photo. So if you haven't seen that yet, it's on all of our Instagrams and probably the beyond type one page. So make sure to go check that out. And then from there, we kind of all went our own way, which was very nerve wracking because we're like, good luck. You know, everyone's saying good luck to each other because we're all running a marathon tomorrow. Some people were meeting up in the morning on Sunday to reconnect, you know, to get to the Start Village together. But not every single person was starting at the same time. So we all kind of went in our own way and were planning out different groups to meet up in the morning. But for Saturday after the brunch, I pretty much just relaxed. I didn't do very much. I wanted to, you know, just hang out and rest my legs so I didn't want to walk around New York City but after the brunch my fiance and I went and got some rice bowls I guess I should say similar to like a chipotle but it wasn't chipotle we wanted to have something local to New York but obviously it's important to carb load before a marathon but then again it comes to the issue of us being type 1 diabetics and Trying to figure that out because you don't want to carb load like too much. You got to figure out when you're going to carb load. You don't want your blood sugars to be high because that dehydrates you. So, figuring all of that out as well is super important. So, I decided to carb load at lunch versus dinner because I didn't want a high blood sugar at night. You know, I didn't want to have to wake up in the middle of the night and give myself insulin. So, we had these rice bowls at lunch. We came back to the hotel. And I just relaxed and watched Netflix for a few hours because I wanted to rest my legs. And then for dinner, Ian and I actually went and got Mexican again because I know tacos don't screw up my stomach and I didn't want to like risk anything else. And tacos aren't super high carb, right? Like there's still carbs there, but not extremely. So I got three tacos uh, with corn tortillas. So the corn tortillas did have carbs, but not, Italian, not like rice. And so I wanted some carbs, but I didn't want to have a ton of carbs that might affect me in the middle of the night. Thankfully, my blood sugars were normal overnight, so I didn't have to wake up and worry about that. And then I woke up in the morning, my blood sugars were actually around 180 in the morning. So they were a little high, but I didn't want to take any insulin because I knew I was running later in the day. So Sunday is race day, a little bit more stressful. Your adrenaline is high, you're nervous. So, my blood sugars unfortunately kept going up. (laughs) And I am on MDI. So, I didn't want to eat a breakfast where I'd have to take insulin. So, I just ate a Greek yogurt, non fat, which has like six grams of carbs. And for me, that doesn't affect me too much. So, I just ate a yogurt, uh, like one of the to go yogurt bowls. I ate that for my breakfast, did not take any insulin for it because. Once again, we're all different. So take this with a grain of salt, but I cannot take insulin before a run. No matter what time of day it is, my blood sugars will drop. So the only insulin I took in the morning was my long-lasting insulin. And I did take all eight units that I typically take of my long-lasting in the morning. But other than that, I did not take any fast-acting insulin. So getting to Star Village is pretty, pretty challenging. <laughs> and I was in Midtown, like I've mentioned. And to get to the Start Village, you have to take a few steps. So I took the subway down from Midtown to Staten Island. I got off at Bowling Green exit because you have to take the Staten Island ferry over to Staten Island. So I got off the Bowling Green exit and got on the ferry. I ran into a few of my teammates there were four others so there's five of us total and we met on the ferry which was really really cool just to have your teammates there and supporting you the ferry took oh I don't even know cuz I was waiting in line for the bathroom most of the time <laughs> but I want to say it took about 30 minutes to get from Manhattan to Staten Island on the ferry it was really cool you you went by the Statue of Liberty, and you saw Manhattan from you know the water. So that was really, really pretty. I do highly recommend taking the Staten Island Ferry if you're ever going to run the New York City Marathon, but just because it is kind of a cool experience. And it's free. They they offer it free for all of the racers. Once you actually get over to Staten Island, you have to get on a bus to go to Star Village. Unfortunately, this was a very terrible experience for me and the other four people I was with. Typically, according to past marathons, it only takes about 10 to 15 minutes to get on the bus after you get off the ferry. Well, for us, it took 90 minutes. Yes, 90 minutes. And because it took 90 minutes, we all missed our start time. We were all supposed to start at 10, 20 a.m., but unfortunately we did not even get on the bus until 9 45 a.m. The bus from Staten Island over to Star Village takes about 30 minutes. The corrals that you have to be in to start at 1020 close at 10 o'clock. So unfortunately, we did not make it to our start village on time to race at 1020. I'm not going to get into how frustrating this was and how pissed off I was. I, It's just a very, very challenging process because being type 1 diabetic, you have to plan out your day. My levels, because I was stressed, excited, overwhelmed, nervous. My levels when we were waiting for the bus were like 240. 240. That is not okay, right? That is way too high. However, I knew I'm not going to take insulin because it will drop. I will drop. I will drop. I will drop. And so unfortunately for the first four hours of the day, I was sitting at 240. In It just makes me really mad that the New York City Marathon does not let one people living with type 1 diabetes to go first. Not that I expect any different treatment by any means, but it's still kind of a life, you know, issue. Like, I can't be sitting at 240 for four hours. That's just not okay. And I knew long term, like, I'll be fine, you know, but it's, you don't feel well when you're 240 either. And so I was good, though. I did not take any insulin because I knew I would drop. Some of my other teammates were at 300, and so it just—it was just really frustrating for all of us because we just needed to get on a bus and we needed to start running so our blood sugars would come down, and it was just a very, very frustrating process. <sighs> anyway, we get to the start village. I feel bad because I ended up leaving my teammates because I was just so stressed. I was like, I have to start running now. Like, I cannot miss the next wave. I—I I just can't. And so I left them, and I sprinted to my corral, and I finally got in, and I was able to start at 11 a.m., which was the next wave. So I missed my wave, but I was able to get into the next wave. So I started around 11 a.m., and this really, really is when I started to feel a lot better because it was such an amazing experience. There were millions of people surrounding me ready to start at 11 a.m., and you, the first thing you do is you go over the bridge from Staten Island back to Manhattan. Or I'm sorry, you go to Staten Island to Brooklyn. <laughs> and when you're waiting there, they do the national anthem. And then as you start running over the first bridge, they're playing New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. So naturally, you know, it's very emotional. It's a very, very exciting process. And I don't know. I started to feel a lot better at that point. And through my run i don't want to walk you you know mile by mile by any means but like clockwork as i started running it was around mile seven when my blood sugars finally started to drop so i was sitting at about 250 and actually from mile one to seven my blood sugars went up a little bit they went up to like 290 just because of the adrenaline the excitement but then when i got to mile seven my blood sugar started to go down And unfortunately, they started to go down very, very, very quickly, you know, the double arrow down, which one I was really excited about because I was like, finally, my blood sugars are coming down finally, but they were coming down fast. So I still had to eat sugar. So what I did is I waited because it was around 290. I waited for it to come down to 200 before I ate any insulin. I mean, wow, before I ate insulin, Jesus, before I ate any sugar, my go-to sugar are Welch's fruits, uh, Welch's gummies. They're my favorite, they're easy to eat. I buy the individual packs and they're delicious. So I started eating Welch's snacks around mile seven, mile eight. And I was getting nervous because the double arrow down, it was starting to go down really, really fast. So it was like 150, 140 and I was like, oh shoot. Like if I keep going down this this way in this quickly, it's gonna go under 70 and you know, we don't want that to happen on a marathon. So I ate a lot of sugar. I don't even know exactly how much, but more probably than I needed. But I was just so nervous that I was going to drop too much. So finally, maybe around mile, I don't really know, mile 11, it started to kick back in, which was, thank God, I did not get down to 70. But the sugar started to kick in, and then it started to go up again pretty quickly. <laughs> so I went up again to 220 uh, because of the sugar. But I was actually okay with that because... That's, you know, the least of my concerns, or I I don't want to have to worry about my blood sugar during a marathon. I have so many other issues. One, it was really hot in New York City that day. It was 75 degrees. It was humid. I'm like, okay, let's just get my blood sugar up so I don't have to worry about that. I can fix it later after the run, right? So I went back up to 220. I was doing great. I saw my fiance at mile eight. It was, you know, pushing me along. I was doing wonderful. And then mile 16, I was great until mile 16. I felt perfect mile 16 is when i started getting some pretty bad body cramps mostly in my legs and i figured it was actually because i hadn't really had a ton of water food salt all day so thankfully i had some salt tablets and i started pounding them like crazy like i took a ton and this is when i actually started stopping at every mile to get water and i would stop and walk at every mile to chug as much water as I could. So you know they gave you those little cups of water Well, I grabbed like four of them because I was like, I cannot be cramping like this. I still have 10 miles to run. Thankfully, the salt tablets did help and the water did start to help. So my cramps, they were still there, you know, at mile 16, mile 17, mile 18, mile 19. But they started to disappear as I kept going, which was really good because I don't know if I would have been able to keep that up with the cramps I was getting. Like it was so bad that I couldn't barely move my legs. So yeah, it was pretty bad. I thankfully ran into my fiance again at mile 19 which is always a good pick-me-up if you guys ever run a marathon make sure you have people that are supporting you because it just means so much to have someone there to see someone's face that you know so i saw him it was really really great and i saw his friend wally they were there watching me it was really really wonderful but man mile 20 to mile mile 26 was brutal i mean I was fine. I ran the entire thing except for when I had to walk at the water stations to get water. I ran the entire thing. But I ran slowly. I was running like an 11-minute mile. And it was so hot. And I just – I remember I kept repeating in myself like, you can do this, Samantha, only 10 more miles, only 10 more miles. And if I noticed myself saying like, oh, just walk, you know, Samantha, just walk. If I <laughs> if I noticed myself speaking to myself that way, I would change the topic and say, no, Samantha, you are doing this for the kids And what I mean by that is my personal motivation for type 1 diabetes are all the poor little kiddos that live with the disease. I hate it. I hate it a lot. And when I was having a struggling moment during the marathon, I would say, you know what, Samantha, you're doing this for the kids, the kids that have to live with type 1 diabetes. So suck it up and run your damn marathon. (laughs) And it worked. It worked to say that to myself. And it's actually crazy, the power behind that right like I had to run 10 more miles and somehow thinking about the poor kids that have to live with this disease inspired me to keep running Is not really cool anyway so I saw my fiance again at mile 22 and then it was really just the last four miles were tough I was pushing 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 as hard as I possibly could and then I finally finished you guys (laughs) And I'm not going to lie, I may have been tearing up a bit at the finish line. I was trying not to cry because I didn't want to be that crazy person that's just like bawling her eyes out. But I was definitely emotional because I did it. I freaking did it. I ran the marathon 26.2 miles in under five hours. I was very emotional. One, because like I told you earlier in this podcast, I did not want to run a marathon before being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And I just freaking did it. And I'm going to show the world. And I did just show the world. I forgot to mention, I think it was around mile 22, my blood sugar started to drop again. So I had two pound sugar. And at that moment too, I was like, I don't even care. I'm eating all the sugar in the world because I do not want to drop like right before I finish, right? That would be terrible. So I did eat a lot of sugar again and it ended up being fine. So I didn't drop at all below 70. Actually, I didn't drop at all below 100 during the race, which was great. I did go over 200 a couple of times, but I didn't even care about that. During a marathon, you kind of are just like, whatever, just don't make me drop, right? That's just what you don't want to do. So overall, my blood sugars were pretty awesome. I would say the only bad part was really in the morning when I was just at 240 the entire time. But overall, like during the run, my blood sugars were amazing. So that's kind of the quick recap of the actual race and how emotional it was for me and just exciting it was to be done One, because gosh, I was so happy to be done. But then two, like I just did that with type 1 diabetes and I did it to raise awareness and I did it to support others living with type 1 diabetes. This is turning into a super long podcast. I'm sorry, I did not mean it to be that way. But I just, it was so amazing to run this marathon, to meet other type 1 diabetics in the process and just to raise awareness, raise money for the cause this is the only thing in my life I think that I've ever been very passionate about. And it's just amazing to actually have something in my life like that now. I know it sounds silly because obviously I don't want to have type 1 diabetes. I mean, it would be great if I could just live my life with a normal pancreas. But at the same time, I, in the, for the first time in my life, have a purpose. And I have a passion. And I feel like I'm now here in the world for a reason. And I just think that's amazing. So even if you have type 1 diabetes, I encourage you to switch, switch your thought, switch your mindset around it. What are the good things that come out of type 1 diabetes? I have had so many good things come out of it. I've met some of the coolest people, like literally the coolest people. Like they're literally my best friends now. They're so cool. I have connections now with Beyond Type 1 organization and have met all those people, I have ran a marathon. Guys, I was not going to run a marathon before I was diagnosed. Now I've run a marathon. Think about the good things that have come out of your life living with the disease. Yes, I know. Sometimes it freaking sucks. But sometimes it can be awesome too. At the end of the day on Sunday, we did have a Beyond Type 1 organization party. I did go for mm, maybe two minutes. (laughs) We got there and I, for some reason, just started getting really, really dizzy and I was hungry. Unfortunately, they only had pizza there and I can't eat pizza because of the stupid wheat gluten allergy that I have now. So I was like, I have to go. I'm dizzy. I need to go eat something with a lot of salt. <laughs> and so Ian and I went and got Chipotle. And it was awesome because the guy loaded us up with Chipotle. Like, I was like, if this is gonna happen to me any day, this is the day. So I thank that Chipotle workers so much for giving me all that food. And then Ian and I just went home, home being the hotel, and we laid in bed. And I was so pert, I mean, in terms of pain, <laughs> I was in pain, but also so happy to have done that and so proud of myself and all the other type one diabetics that ran it. We all finished, we all accomplished it and that is absolutely amazing. And then uh, Ian and I actually left Monday afternoon. So Monday, I just laid in bed all day, ate a lot of food and then we went uh, to LaGuardia and flew home back to Denver. And the really, really cool part of this and I promise this podcast is almost over. (laughs) The really, really cool part of this is we have a WhatsApp group chat for the type 1 diabetics that were ran the race. We're still talking to each other every single day. Isn't that so cool? We're talking about the, if we're all running again, what races we're going to do together again, how we're all going to stay in contact. We're talking about if we're purchasing treadmills, like which one should we purchase? Like we're all friends. now, And it's just really, really cool. So... I just challenge you to find something like this. I'm not telling you to run a marathon, okay? But if you want to do something like this, strive for something, you know? What can you do to show the world, like you can do this? And it doesn't have to be a marathon. It can literally be anything. What can you do to be like, you know what? I may have a broken pancreas, but I'm also a badass. I'm a rock star. I'm freaking amazing, right? What can you do to show the world that? What can you do to show yourself that? What can you do to show your family that? That is my recap, you guys. I love you all so much for listening to this podcast. If you're still here in this podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You guys are so great. I wanted to also just mention, of course, about Type 1 Tribe. So I am the founder of Type 1 Tribe, which is a diabetes marketplace specific to type 1 diabetics and it has a lot of yummy blood sugar friendly snacks on there probably some you've never tried but there's also some on there that you definitely have tried you know that are in all the grocery stores and then there's also some type 1 diabetes accessories on there so if you haven't checked out type1tribe.com yet do so try some of the snacks on there my goal with that is really just to one connect diabetics together and two make your life a little bit easier because when I was first diagnosed I had no idea what I was allowed to eat. I didn't know how to bolus for things. I didn't know I could even snack. But you can. And you can choose some of those snacks on the website and enjoy your life. Thank you for listening. You guys are awesome. Stay tuned for the next episode. I love you all. Ah, Bye, guys. Thank you.